0: It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years.
1: Welcome to Dr. Pell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarikarpel.com every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And today is Sunday, June the 9th, and we are back live from beautiful but very hot Austin, Texas. We're expecting a storm here, so hopefully it will cool things off. And I hope that you're staying cool wherever you are and that we can keep you entertained through this heat with a great show this evening. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment is here with us to make the show run producing the program as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from New York City by certified holistic health coach Loretta Lorden, and she'll be discussing holistic health and recreating life after caregiving. So that's a really important topic. What do you do when your caregiving is over? Finding yourself So she's gonna discuss that from a holistic health perspective. And later in the program, also joining us from New York City, a singer whom I had a chance to see perform while I was in New York last month, will be joining us and that's Reginald Proctor, who goes by the stage name, Teddy Houston. And he'll join us to discuss his life in music and we'll be playing some of his original tunes. And also along the way, I'll give another sneak peek into my book. Last week, I didn't really get to discuss the full topic. Um, I want to talk about the topic of compassion. And I want to discuss it in terms of compassion as an act of courage and a way to increase our passion. And that's a little sneak peek of my book, The Passionate Life. And I'll also be discussing some of my reflections. The week was my birthday and number 57 and I started reflecting on that and thinking about what what I need to do to make sure to have a passionate life going forward and I think that this could be helpful for anybody who wants to live a passionate life no matter your age And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is Mara. That's D-R-M-A-R-A at D R M A R A K A R P E L D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And if you do have questions for my guests, um, be sure to call or email while they are still on the line so that you can ask the questions on the air. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast. Along with any website links or contact information that we discuss, will be posted later tonight on my website, dot com. You can also hear the program in as soon as five minutes after the show ends, if you want to hear it again, by going to blog, BLOG, talk slash your golden years. You can also hear all of the previous programs. That we have done here on Blog Talk Radio in the last five plus years, by going to that same website, Blog Talk Radio, talkradio. dot com slash your golden years, and all of the shows are are there, and you can hear every single one of them, and you can do a search for topics or guests if you like. You can also hear all of those shows on my website, and if you go to my website, com, you'll not just be able to hear the shows, but you can see all the contact information and the website links and all of that from each of the shows. And since we've been on the air for seven years, you can also... See the information from the previous two years when we were on local Austin radio. You can also read all of my blogs that I've written for Huffington Post and Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global. If you go to my website, you can watch videos of interviews that I've done with guests who were live here in Austin that met with me in the studio to do the program. And information about my book, my upcoming course and other interviews and, and videos that you might find interesting. So if you want to just have a one-stop shop, go to my website, drmarakarpel.com, dot lcom And also, if you want to find out what's happening in the future, upcoming shows, um, whenever I post the blog, as soon as it posts, um, upcoming events, Related to my book or anything else. Follow me on Facebook. That's the easiest thing to do. And that is Dr. Mara Cartel, your golden years. I also have several videos that were live on Facebook that are still living on Facebook. So you can watch those videos um, if you go to my Facebook page. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin, Texas, and also have practiced for much of the time in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers. And for the past few years, I've been evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected mental health issues. And part of the time my office has been in the wonderful Veterans Resource Center Heroes Night Out, which is located in Cedar Park, Texas. And if you would like some information about this great resource for veterans and for veterans families, I suggest that you check out their website, which is heroesnightout.org. Do you want to contact me? Do you have a question that you want to ask me or some information that you want me to know about? Um, Feel free to give me a call. My phone number, 512 626 6973, or you can email at Dr. Mara at drmaracarpel.com, or go to my website, drmaracarpel.com, and just click on contact. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. Devere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512 261 7909 or send him an email at rdevere, that's rdevere, at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. StoryHouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, we're going to take a brief break, play a couple of our sponsor's commercials, Um, but don't go anywhere. It'll be very brief, and when we come back, we will be joined on the phone from New York City by certified holistic health coach, Loretta Lorden, and she'll be discussing holistic health and recreating life after caregiving. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super
0: psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel. We'll be back after words from our sponsors.
1: If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Karpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on com. And now joining us on the phone from New York City, certified holistic health coach Loretta Lorden is here and she's discussing holistic health and recreating life. Welcome, Loretta. Hi, it's very nice to be Hi. here today. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us.
4: How are you? I'm good, thank you, and thank you for having me on your show.
1: So, so Loretta, um, why don't we start off with just talking a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into the topics. Okay. I am a
4: certified holistic health coach and I live in New York City, and I was trained by the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I spent um, years with clients, helping them do things like lose weight and have more of a healthy lifestyle and make better choices for themselves in, in their career, in their relationships, and in their diet, and in other areas of life
3: mhm
4: okay
1: are are you still okay go on <laughs>
4: um okay i've um so i i started off uh doing this because i always found myself in a position of being able and wanting to help people, and that has led me to to this career i am mm-hmm. now in a a stage of life where I'm changing my um I was a caregiver for my mother for about six and a half years. And after the training, it was important for me to think about life and balance and what's important. There is areas of life um, which get neglected when one becomes a caregiver. It is um, unexpected because as we care for our loved ones, more and more of our own lives become smaller and less significant because our focus is on the loved one and the needs that they have. So right, I so what happened is over time I was my life became smaller and smaller as I focused on the joys and the rewards of caring for a loved one as she went through the aging process. This is mm-hmm. something that's common around people in midlife. Uh, they, it can either be a loved one, a partner, sometimes a child, or more often than not, aging parents. So this was something that I stepped into, and um, as time went on, I, my life was became more and more out of balance as a caregiver um, because of the focus on the loved one and the medical care and all the emotional needs and, and that come about when you're caring for another person. So with, with my health coaching background, um, I was able to really balance that as best I could by every morning starting my day, thinking about the things I was grateful for. I did mm-hmm. um, gratuity, gratitude exercises, and thinking three things I was grateful in my life, and that would balance me out and nourish me so that I could go forth and do the things necessary for myself. I was still working and at the time as well as caring initially for my parent. I was able to do that and work. As time went on, my focus became more about uh, looking after
1: my mother. So life became out of balance. Right. Right. And that's a really, really common issue. I mean, it's really... It's hard to keep it in balance. Even you, with all of your training, um, you weren't able to do that.
4: Uh, at some point, it, the, the job, the task becomes so demanding for caregivers. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much um, the caregiver is giving because they focus on the person who's aging or ill. And the caregiver is the one that's really the foundation of that support on a daily basis. With that being said, um, as time went on, um, time uh, took a toll and uh, my mother eventually passed away. And at that point, so much of my life, and even with my background in holistic healthcare and uh, being an integrative health coach, I became out of balance, and my focus had been so much on the caregiving that I lost my own identity. I uh-huh. lost my sense of who I was in the world, what was important to me now, who was I now without my parent, who was I now in the world without this this foundation of my life that had been there since birth. And that was a very unstabilizing experience because I'd already been really strong, confident, self-sufficient, independent, um, adventuresome world traveler. And now I was sort of with this huge void that I wasn't quite sure how to fill again because I lost touch with sides of myself. Right. So in order to re oh, what was really important for me is to regain and I'm sharing this with other caregivers and maybe those who are in the process of Losing a loved one or caring for a loved one, or maybe they've already lost a loved one, is to really connect with your passion. What's important to you? What gave you joy? What made you happy in life? Um, When did you feel most alive? What are your favorite colors? Do flowers, mountains, going to the beach, going for walks in the country, whatever it is that reconnects you to that part of yourself that. Has become a stranger due to caregiving. I was fortunate mm-hmm. enough to uh, be invited to Europe, and I love to travel. And it was something I hadn't done for many years, um, and so I I leaped at the chance, and I wound up uh, going to France and Italy, which I've never been to. Italy and a little part of uh, went through Switzerland and northern France and was on a boat, and it was so magical. It was was sort of a gift from the universe, it felt like, after having taken care of my mother for so long. It was just like a dream. And because I was not myself, it was almost like I was watching a television show or or a movie. I was going Mm. through these amazing experiences, and it had a surreal feeling to it. I... I was smiling, I was joking, but it was still like a dream. And then I came home and I was confronted with the aftermath of, okay, now I'm back to my life, needing to clean up the odds and end pieces of um, someone else's life, whether it's emptying an apartment, getting final finances in order, um, whatever it is, I was confronted with that. And, and that took another sort of a dip in in um, reconnecting me with all that I've gone through. But I was strong enough to say I needed to reconnect with nature and people. So for, if the holidays were coming up. I knew I didn't want to stay in New York because of all my childhood memories. And I was booked a flight out to the West Coast, and I visited – I hopped around. I visited friends in Phoenix and in, uh, in the Grand Canyon and Sedona. I went to L.A. and saw another friend. And these were friends from when I was in my early 20s. So it connected me with this vibrancy of life and hopefulness and state of dreaming about the future that I have long left behind. And it was so wonderful and so um, healing for me. And and I went skiing, and I went to Oregon, and I went hiking in the winter, and it was really connecting with my passion. And that was the catalyst for me getting back parts of myself that I didn't even know I still had access to. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I – You know, I can I can so relate to the things that you're talking about in terms of how connecting to your passion kind of pulls you out of the dark place that you've been, right? So, and then you have that added issue that for so long you you had forgotten what your passions were because you were really focused on being a caregiver, which is really all encompassing. And I think caregivers listening can certainly understand that and relate to that, that you sort of forget who you are for a while. Um, so finding that passion is not always easy, but once you do, it sort of re—it reconnects you to yourself. Um so you know as a coach um what would what would you recommend to people who are listening who might be experiencing this whether they're in the process of caregiving right now or they were caregiving and now they've lost that loved one and and now what So what
4: is so important is to really reconnect with things that bring you joy and even if you are in the process of still caring for someone it could be um, anything like a bubble bath or lighting uh, a candle uh, in your room at night and, and just meditating for 20 minutes for it to have a little quiet time just really taking the time to try to stay a bit in balance uh, if you can do something creative it could even be trying new meals to serve your loved one and you're experimenting with, with things that if you love cooking, now you're expressing your love and, and trying these new meals and sharing it with the loved one. If you if it's after the person has passed, you reconnect with your creativity in any way. I was doing writing and poetry, you know, to connect with my inner feelings and my subconscious to to bring that to the forefront of of who I am today. Uh, friendships are important. Um, making sure that you get some physical activity, you know, if you can go, for, you know, going for a 20-minute walk a day is is so helpful to you mentally, as well as physically and emotionally.
3: Mhm,
1: mhm. And you and mentioned earlier about connecting with other people who are either caregivers or or were caregivers. Did, you know, um, was that something that you were able to find in a group, or you know, how did how did you how were you able to connect with caregivers?
4: I was in a couple of caregiver groups, and I actually found um, an an excellent one. The second group was very for me productive. The first caregiver group was about people venting their exhaustion and frustrations with you know, trying to get the proper care for their loved one. And for me, that was not, I didn't really want to vent. I didn't find that empowering. And I found being empowered, whether it's love from friends, um, just a call, checking in, or, or someone sending you flowers, or anything that's supportive of you is really important. So I found this other caregiver group, and it was phenomenal. They had um, legal aid that would come in and answer our questions on elder law. You know how to get the mm. finances in uh-huh. order for your loved one, which is critical. And finances are also a very important part of holistic health because if that's out of balance, you're going to have stress and worry and not sleep well, and it will af- it will affect your health. So being being prepared and knowing answers or questions to ask, whether you have a trust versus a will or both for a loved one, or how does a uh, power of attorney work it is adorable. If the person passes away, is it still in effect? There's so many things you don't know as a family member or a caregiver. Having a good supportive uh, caregiver group with, with useful information is, I think, critical.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, when I've talked about um, finding a caregiver group, I, I have said I've suggested to people that they, you know, if they don't like the group that they're in, that they try another one because say, you're you're, you know, you're proof to that that for, of that that not a, that all groups are not alike, and you might not find one group helpful, but you might find another group helpful.
4: Yes, absolutely. And the second group I found, and they had a phenomenal social worker. To this day, she's helped me if I have a question. She is, you know, would do some research and call me back. She really had a lot of commitment and heart um, and brought that forth in the assistance that she gave me and I'm sure other caregivers. She's just a phenomenal person. hmm so mhm, it's important to find the right group and the right environment that can really support you as a caregiver or even if somebody's grieving, having a a a group, a senior center or something that might be able to support
1: you as a, a grieving uh, person. hmm hmm Yes, absolutely. We've actually had several people on this program who have great support networks Online, so you know people can connect with them no matter where they are um, but certainly in person is is the best <laughs> if you can find yeah, one that you're comfortable with
4: absolutely and i I think if one looks at this experience as an opportunity for rebirth because you have a whole new experience of life and the stages of life and the finality of life and it really gives a new laser sharp uh, view of choices you're making on a day-to-day basis in terms of relationships, where you live, how you want to live your life, what kind of life you would like to create, what sort of people would you have like to have in it. You've always wanted to take a class, well then maybe you go and then sign up for a class to make jewelry, to paint, to sculpt, to study anything. You know, you really rebirth yourself after an experience like this, and it is a wonderful opportunity to have a more fulfilling life after something like this. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And. You know, I think you make a really good point, and that is that these difficult times in our life that are really, you know, um, transitions from one stage of life to another can either knock us down where we just give up and that's it. You know, life is over, or we can use them to transform ourselves and um, take something from a you know, a very painful situation and turn it into a passion. Absolutely. Some um, people lose. So, they, they have... Okay. No, go on. Go on.
4: Some people have no idea because they're doing machines. They're always doing and fulfilling societal requirements, family requirements. They're self-imposed um, judgments about what how they should be living their lives and then it gives them a chance to take a step backward and really think about what are they passionate about what really when are they most in the moment where they lose track of time you know when do they feel most alive and then they can start to take steps towards having more of that in their
1: lives Mm-hmm. so so, do you think, from you know, from your perspective as a coach, as well as someone who has gone through this, um, that making time while you are still a caregiver, that that having you know, setting aside time, whatever you know, I know caregivers say, well, "What time? I don't have time," but I think there are ways to find moments um, where you can connect with yourself so that when you are no longer a caregiver it's not you're not so lost you can actually develop on those moments um, where you stayed connected with yourself do you do you find that that would help
4: it it's very helpful it's actually I think critical and even if it's just taking five minutes in the morning having a journal and just writing three things that happened yesterday that you're grateful for. It could be, oh, my parent was able to, you know, eat her food without having an upset stomach and enjoy it. You know, so I was so happy. Or I'm grateful that I still have my parents and, and I can – You know be with them every day or I'm grateful for the sunshine today or the flowers it could be anything and it really resets the body and the chemistry internally takes about you know 21 days or so as your body gets used to that but it's important taking time to stretch or you know like I said before do something that you really enjoy take a moment make sure you put lotion on your body after you take a shower Little things, and and they add up. Eating right, Mm -hmm. proper nutrition is critical. So if you're making a meal for a loved one, it's the perfect time to make a healthy meal and make sure you're getting proper nutrition too, and you're sharing it. You're sharing love with your loved one with the meal you prepared, and for
1: yourself as the caregiver.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Right. Right. So did you, did you make it, were you able to make time to do any sort of like mindfulness meditation or, or some sort of meditation or, or um, relaxation for yourself during that time? Yes,
4: I, I took a, a class on transcendental meditation. And so at least, they recommend twice a day, but at least once a day, I was able to meditate for 20 minutes. Um, And that was very restorative and centering, relaxing and helped me stay focused on what I, because sometimes you can feel so overwhelmed that you don't know what to do next and you start to be able to not think clearly, Um, you know, as the demands of a loved one increase, it can be um, very distracting and cause imbalance,
1: as I said before right right yeah it's interesting because i was talking to somebody who was a you know he he had specialized he was a specialist in you know caregivers and he was talking about you know making time for respite care you know if you're if you your loved one has to have someone with them all the time so and i said yeah you know i was thinking one time when i visited my mom and you know she has caregivers because she's in assisted living, but when I'm there I kinda of take over and um and I was thinking how wonderful it would be if there was like a class that we could both go to in meditation that would both be helpful for her and give me a chance to also have that time to meditate because I was having a hard time doing that during my visit. And um I said, Yeah, that would you know, that would be a an option for respite and he looked at me sort of in shock and said, Meditation. I was thinking about, you know, having time to go to the doctor or getting your hair done. And <laughs> Wow. And I thought, Wow, you know, I think I don't know, I think that some people need some convincing that doing those sorts of things are really important, that taking that time to to get to know yourself Is really important. Of course, going to the doctor is important, right? Taking care of your own health, but you may not have to go to the doctor as often if you're taking care of yourself in other ways. That's true.
4: But I think sometimes caregivers do neglect themselves in the process of caring Mm -hmm. for others. And in that case, I would recommend piggybacking doctor appointments when you take a loved one to the doctor squeeze in your apartment at the same facility because you're there already and you can, you know, bring your loved one along with you to your appointment. Yeah, <laughs> You know, right. it makes it
1: easier. Yeah, that's a good, I, that's a great suggestion. Um, and one yeah.
4: one other thing I think is really important because my mother had strokes and she started to lose prefrontal lobe um, strength. So she was, you know, easily irritated and, um you know, had started to have dementia and she would get angry about simple things it would be unreasonable. So one thing I find very important for caregivers is sometimes to try to find the humor in something. So what I would do is I would distract her with something else and she would forget about what was going on. Or if she was upset that she was losing her ability to walk down the hall, worrying about falling, I would have her put her hips on her hands on my hips and we would play choo-choo going down the hallway, and she would giggle and tell me how crazy I was. But I made it Uh like a game.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah,
4: so you try to lighten up the situation.
1: Well, humor is really, I think, a, a, a very powerful stress relief for both the caregiver and the person that you're caring for, right? And it also helps to bring you closer. absolutely yeah it's a it's a it's great for your relationship when you can laugh together and it's very good for your health and it's very good for your health (laughs) i agree (laughs) i try to laugh every day
4: (laughs) yeah they even have something now called laughing yoga (laughs) Uh
1: uh-huh Yeah, I think that's an international society, actually, that that they have groups all over the world. Uh, Yeah, absolutely, they do. So as a holistic Mm -hmm.
4: health coach, there is a, a, we call it a circle of life, and it looks at all the areas of life, and it's it's considered primary foods and what somebody might miss it, be missing and how to infuse both joy and satisfaction into your life, no matter what your circumstance is. So we look at things like spirituality, and it could be meditation, it could be Buddhism, it could be organized religion. Um, We look at creativity, finances, career, education, health, physical activity, whether you're cooking at home because the food is more nutritious, what your home environment is like, what your relationships are like, social life, how much joy you have. We look at all areas and see what's out of balance and try to work on the areas where you're not spending enough time and you're dissatisfied with to create more harmony
1: and balance in your life. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So... So, if people are interested in in being coached by you, are you still doing the coaching? Yes, I am.
4: I do it both on the phone and through through the internet through video conferencing if they're not located in New York City.
1: Okay, so so how can people contact you and and find out more about your coaching? And especially, it seems like your coaching would, you know, if they're caregivers there, because you've had that experience yourself. It seems like you're like the, you're like the specialist in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you.
4: They can they could reach me at healthcoachloretta. That's l healthcoach, and then Loretta L O R E T T A at gmail dot com.
1: Okay, okay, so, so they should email you, and then you can you can be in contact that way.
4: Yes, they can contact me through email, or if they want, they can call my number at
1: 917-865-7486.
4: If they don't get me, leave a message, and I'll call them back, and we'll schedule a time we can talk.
1: Okay, great. So I'm going to um, post both of those ways of contacting you on my website post about this show later tonight. So if anybody missed it, they don't have to worry about it. They could just go to my website later tonight and it'll be there. Um, Okay. So thank you so much, Loretta, for, for being on the program this evening. I think that your message is really, really important. And um, I'd love to have you come back sometime again because this is such a big topic.
4: Well, thank you so much for inviting me, and I I really enjoyed it. And, you know, anything I can do to help people, you know, with with getting more joy and balance in their lives brings me joy and balance. So I look forward to doing it again with you and helping
1: others. Great. Great. Well, thank you. And and you have a good evening. You too. Have a nice evening. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We have lots more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Carpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. And um, I really suggest thinking about, if you're a caregiver, really suggest thinking about what Loretta was talking about because it's so important that we stay connected to ourselves as we care for other people. And it makes it a lot easier um, after caregiving um, to be able to then reconnect to ourselves and um, finding groups, support groups, very helpful both during caregiving and also great support groups and um, you know I think yeah. you know this is a, a big topic and and most people at some point in their life confront it so um, I, I think it's really important that's why I'd like her to come back because it's such an, it's a really important topic and it's growing in numbers about in terms of how many people are faced with these issues. All right. So before we go on to our musical guest, I said that I would talk about the topic that I um, left out last time. I didn't have time to get into it, Uh, but first let me just um, give you some updates, news. Uh, Let's see if you missed it last week. Um, On May 29th, I was on Life Transformation with Sean Douglas, and he interviewed me about my book and as well as about my life and um, what led me to writing my book, and um, it was an hour-long interview, so we got pretty deep, and you can hear that interview on my website, drmarichorpel.com, and it's under... Uh, publications It's under uh, Radio shows I think You can find it pretty easily It's also on my Facebook page I am going to be interviewed again And this time it will be for Texas Authors Radio And that's on July 11th And I will be letting you know About how you can hear that And of course afterwards it will be again On my website And um, June 21st, I will be a keynote speaker at a private event on South Padre Island for um, palliative care uh, workers, doctors, social workers, and nurses, and I'll let you know how that goes. And hopefully I'll be doing some more of those and, um, uh, you know, some of them will be public. And I have the blog that I was writing sort of I sort of stopped it because I had some more ideas that I wanted to add so that will be coming out this week I promise and you can get all of my blogs on my website and I will be posting it on my Facebook page as soon as it um, as soon as it launches so this past week I had a birthday and I turned fifty seven that's uh, hard for me to believe, but it's true. I, you know, I count back, <laughs> do the math, and I, yep, fifty-seven. So I started reflecting, um, as I usually do, but I just felt more compelled to reflect this year. It felt like a big birthday about what what I really want to do. Um, I think that the older we get, the the more important it feels. That we do the things that we say that we want to do, that we really make a point to um, stop wasting time on things that are not necessary and to really focus on doing the things that we want to do. Of course, we have to do things that are necessary as well, like, you know, you have to do the laundry. Um we have a loved one who needs help, then you know sometimes life calls us to be a caregiver, but in the middle of that, and in spite of that, it's really important that we focus on some of the passions that we have, just as Loretta spoke about that having a passion really um, brings us back to ourselves and helps us to um, to live a joyful life even with Stress and difficulties in our life. Um, And I started thinking about, you know, what was really important to me. And the why of, you know, the actual things that I want to do are less important than the why of what I, you know, how I want to feel, how, what I want to contribute. So I realized that it's really important to feel centered. No matter what I'm doing, it's really important to be able to get myself back to the center anytime something kind of throws me for a loop so that I can continue doing whatever it is that I need to or want to do um, in a more focused way and to feel good because the joy is in the journey as I keep talking about in terms of living a passionate life. Um, We don't always know. So if we have a goal, if we have a passion that we want to achieve, we don't know that we're actually going to achieve it. We hope we will. We really try very hard to achieve those goals. But sometimes we don't. And if the joy is in the journey, if we're enjoying the process of it, then it really doesn't matter if we don't achieve it in the end, because we've enjoyed the journey. But if we get easily stressed out by the journey, if we feel like, oh, no, it's not happening fast enough, or we've we've had this major distraction in our life and it's now causing us to feel stressed out or that we've wasted time, or if we just get sort of knocked off the center and we're not able to bring ourselves back, then then, then it's pointless and it's not really a passionate life. It's, it's just, um, you know, trying to achieve these uh, goals that we think that we're supposed to achieve. That's one of the problems with setting your passion as, as um, a certain amount of money that you're going to make or that you're going to do this and become rich and famous. If that that's not really a passion, that's just setting goals that you're going to achieve. That's not really setting passionate goals, because the whole point of passion is actually um, finding joy. Now there there are hard parts. It's not all joyful. It's not all easy. It's definitely not all easy. But if it's your passion and you feel like, wow, I'm really contributing to society, I'm really helping other people with this, and that's what I want to do, um, I'm I'm getting to express my creativity, I'm getting to explore and meet new people and see, learn new things and see new places, then um, – then the work is worth it. Then it doesn't feel like work. Um, It can be hard, but it doesn't feel like work. So that's sort of where I'm at. And, And it really, I want to be more focused on living what I have put out there, what my message is, what my book is about, living a passionate life, that I want to do that. And anytime I get knocked off of that, I want to bring myself back. I've been reading a great book by Michael Singer. He wrote the book, The Untethered Soul, that was a bestseller on, in the New York Times. And it's really about finding that center all the time and not letting, uh, letting ourselves get hooked by, by things that upset us, by things that trigger our pain we can use those triggers to sort of um, release the pain. But when we get hooked into it and we start going down that rabbit hole of responding in pain, then we just create more pain and more pain and more pain. And if we react in an angry way, we get anger back and it just continues. And if we just keep doing it long enough, we can go so far down that rabbit hole that we can't get back. And that was sort of lost, and um, we don't really even know where our passion lies anymore. So, I've been working on that. On I'm not getting hooked in, and I've discovered that even with this awareness and this um, understanding, that is difficult. I know it's difficult to not be triggered. Um, but the more that we are aware and the more that we can sit back and real, realize that we are not our thoughts we are the observer of our thoughts so that's where mindfulness meditation comes in and i do recommend um you know reading on mindfulness meditation or downloading some uh some youtube videos or you know, free online videos or audios of doing, of doing a mindfulness meditation. I've written about it in my book as well. I do recommend that because that sort of trains us to then be able to sit back in our seat, as Michael Singer calls it, our seat of our center. And when we get triggered, we can observe it, say, ha, I'm getting triggered by that. Uh, I'm not going to let that trigger me or i'm gonna look at why that triggers me and work at releasing it so that I can heal it rather than get pulled into it so um I think and so I think this is the path that this blog that I'm writing is going, so you will read more about it if you read my blog when it comes out. Um, I think the earlier we start with these sorts of goals of being centered and and not being triggered the easier it it gets as we you know in 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 our golden years so to speak so i'm doing it right now and i you know so that brings me to the topic of compassion which is the topic i said i would speak about and and compassion is really uh a, another aspect of this same thing that when we have compassion it brings us to our center because it keeps us from feeling anger and blaming and we can actually look at people in a compassionate way and realize that you know that they're in pain when they do certain things and and having compassion and so this is from another author Um, Albert Flynn DeSilver, he wrote the book Writing as a Path to Awakening. And I had read his book, and I was doing one of his meditations that he has online. And what he said really struck me, um, that compassion is a courageous act. And it really is, because as I've said, Um, when I've spoken about compassion before, that compassion is really difficult. It's painful. And, in fact, the Latin meaning of the word compassion is co-suffering. And we might feel the pain of the person that we have compassion for, and, and that's okay. It's okay to feel pain. It's what we don't wanna do is to get pulled down where we're only feeling pain. We can feel pain and we can step back and be the observer of that pain and we don't have to get pulled into it and have our whole life be painful. But we can feel that person's pain and with with that feeling of that person's pain, we can be more helpful for them to ease their pain. We can do things that can help ease their pain, even showing our understanding. That's the minimal that we can do is understanding another person's pain and letting them know, I, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. That's That is in itself is so powerful. But also not increasing someone's pain. So, you know, people that are far away, that we don't have – you know, contact with people that we don't know, people who are different from us. We don't have to do things and make laws and and um or support support politicians who make laws who create more pain for people who are already in pain. We can be compassionate by supporting um people representatives who will make more compassionate laws, more compassionate ways of treating people. So I've had many people on this program um, discussing what's going on along the border. And um, one group that I've had on a couple of times are a group called Team Brownsville, and they are a compassionate group of people that this has become their passion. And there's so much benefit to them by showing their compassion. So they're right on the border and they bring food and water and clothing and toys for children across the bridge into um, into Mexico for the people who are waiting to be processed because they're seeking asylum coming from countries where um, it's very dangerous for them. Or they're helping them by bringing food and clothing and backpacks and maps to people who have been already um, detained and released to then go on to their sponsor in another part of the country but have nothing but the clothing on their back and no money and just a ticket that was paid for by their family member who's sponsoring them. They don't even know how they're how to get to where they're going. So Team Brownsville will go to the bus stations and help people map out where they're going and, um, you know, translate for them and figure out what they need to do next and bring them clothing and food for their journey, snacks. So that these are acts of compassion. And it's hard you know many i follow many of these people on facebook and they write very very sad heartbreaking stories of people that they met and the and the pain that they observe but they also get the benefit of feeling like they are helping to ease that pain and that's so powerful and um, and and it's courageous but it also um creates more passion in your life when you know that you're helping someone else someone who's not someone who's not even in your family or in your network your social network the the payoff is so great that it's it's worth it and really as we've discussed here on the program and i had um, akshay nanavati a few weeks ago he was here at the end of april talking about his book Fearvana. that having courage and doing something that you may have some fear about or that you know is going to be painful but doing it anyway is actually um more rewarding than trying to follow a passion that has no pain or fear involved. If there's no struggle, as he calls it, a worthy struggle, if there's no struggle involved, then the likelihood is that it's not, you're not really going to receive that much benefit and that much deep passion about it. There has to be a little bit of a struggle for you to feel passion, and that's just a fact of life. Um, so, I recently I had decided to talk about this topic that I've talked about many times, and it's been it is in my book, and I've written blogs about compassion. The reason I decided to talk about it is because there was um, some new research that I read about compassion. And so I read this article called The Three Insights from the Cutting Edge of Compassion Research. And there was a conference called The Science of Compassion, Origins, Measures, and Interventions. And here are the three key insights that came out. So the author of this article, um, Emiliana R. Simon Thomas, Dr. Simon Thomas came up with these, came away with these three insights about compassion from this conference. Number one is that compassion is push pull. Um, it and she writes, it turns out that feeling safe is a precondition to activating biological systems that promote ca- compassion. In the face of another person's suffering, the biological mechanisms that drive our nurturing and caregiver, caregiving can only come online if our more habitual self-preservation and vigilance to threat systems are not monopolizing the spotlight. So while it is important to have some level of, Struggle involved. We can't feel like we're completely threatened, or it's very difficult for us to feel compassion. Um, so, in the other direction, having a genetic disposition and life history that led to a strong sense of social support, trust, and safety, put your self-preservation impulses at ease and opens the door for you to feel compassion. So if you had a life where you felt that you were supported and you didn't feel always that you were in danger, that you felt that that you were pretty safe and that you can handle yourself in most situations, you're less likely to have that fear monopolizing you so that you can be more compassionate. Um, And that we can relax that self-preservation system if we find ourselves feeling like we're always in danger and by training our brains for compassion. So there is actually a way to train our brains in compassion and there is a course that was offered at Emory University in training ourselves to feel compassion and they found that through this training, it lowered stress hormones in the blood and saliva of people who spent time doing compassion exercises. So what did the compassion exercises consist of? Well, number one, mindfulness training. So as I just spoke about, so doing mindfulness meditation, moment-to-moment awareness of your body and your mind turns out to be a common theme across training for compassion. So um, if we let our mind wander then we tend to have more anxious thoughts and worry that we're in danger. But if we are focused on the moment and we are aware of what our mind is doing, that we are the observer of our mind and of our body, we are less likely to feel in danger and more likely to have our hearts open and be more compassionate. And What was found, and this supports what I've been saying, is that our brain likes helping other people more than helping ourselves. So when they looked at an MRI of people's brains, they found that oxygen neurons were – which – which stimulate the pleasure systems in our brain, actually are increased when we help other people. So, for example, extending compassion toward others biases our brain to glean more positive information from the world. So we actually feel good. It has what's called a carryover effect. So we start to feel good in other situations. We have that warm glow after we have helped someone so that everything looks more beautiful and we feel happier. We have that, and I've talked about that as a feeling of elevation. Um, So when we help other people, it helps us to enjoy our life more and have more compassion. So I found a practice on expanding your compassion um, by mindfulness teacher Donald Altman, and he calls it expand your compassion container practice. So you sit in a quiet place and allow yourself to soften as you look into your past, and as you reflect, know that compassion is the recognition that suffering is universal. Um, Yet you can reduce the pain of the world through expanding your compassionate presence. And so um, as you reflect, you think you ask yourself these questions. What losses or cravings or attachments or expectations drive you to feel unhappy? And how can you begin by having compassion for yourself, for your own struggles and difficulties? So you need to have compassion for yourself in order to be open to have compassion for others. And then ask, knowing that all humans are subject to frailty and loss, how can you be present in a more compassionate way with others today as you go out into the world? How can you be less judgmental of others doing nothing more than just sharing your full presence, understanding, and empathy. And when you empty your cup of your own opinions and beliefs and expectations, it's easier to just be present with yourself and others with compassion. So it's a practice. It's a training. And, um, You know, as I've mentioned previously and as I wrote about in my book, you can train yourself by just practicing random acts of kindness and then noticing how good it makes you feel after you perform a random act of kindness. Um, There are several health benefits to generosity and being generous of spirit um, volunteers have been found to have less physical pain and symptoms of chronic diseases, lower blood pressure, lower stomach acid, lower cholesterol levels and increased immune systems. And that's been called the helper's high. When we help other people or have compassion for other people, and I've mentioned before that even observing someone being compassionate to someone else um, gives us a vicarious effect, which is called the Mother Teresa effect because it's based on a study where people watched videos of Mother Teresa, and they found that people had the same benefits of the lower blood pressure, less pain, and they had that elevated feeling, that warm glow, that comes over you when you do something kind and compassionate for another person that watching someone do kind and compassionate things had that same benefit. Um, So I just recommend that you, that we all think about what we can do every day to show compassion for other people, show compassion for ourselves and show compassion for other people, people that we don't even know. And, This will help us to increase our passion and our joy in life and our health, our physical health. And mindfulness, meditation, sitting and um, just focusing on your noticing your thoughts in the moment and not letting yourself get hooked in by them and noticing how your body feels can be a very powerful um, way of decreasing the fear uh, 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 and the feeling of danger that's involved in opening opening our hearts to other people. So, you know, we don't want to block that energy of our heart. That's really important. Um, if our energy, if our heart is blocked, if we keep it closed, um, it's closed to everything, it's, and that includes passion and joy. So it's important to open our hearts, even in situations that feel a little bit dangerous or or foreign to us. All right. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play the music of our next guest who's coming up in just a few moments. We have um, Reginald Proctor, who goes by the stage name of Teddy Houston. He'll be joining us from New York and now we're going to play a little of his music
0: Dr. Mera's book The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mera Carpel and your golden years live from Austin, Texas every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com
2: please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com.
3: the cold
1: Up from New York City, Reginald Proctor, who goes by stage name Teddy Houston. Welcome, Reginald.
5: Thank you so much, Dr. Mara. How are you?
1: I'm okay. Great to speak to you this evening. I just want to mention we're just hanging on right here because it looks like we're going to have a big (laughs) storm. So hopefully we don't get knocked off. But yeah. The, the okay. storm clouds are rolling in. So you know how it is here in Texas. <laughs>
5: I do know how it is, and, you know, I sympathize with you guys, because right now uh, here on the East Coast, we have, I think it's about 72 degrees, very low humidity, oh,
1: nice, a
5: nice, nice breeze, very nice.
1: Oh, you're trying to make us feel bad.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so, Reginald, I have a... I I got to hear you perform um, when I was in New York last month, and I thoroughly enjoyed your performance, and so I'm so glad that you were able to make it this evening. And um, so maybe you can fill us in a little bit on your musical background.
5: Oh, sure. Sure I can. Um, well, let's see. I've been singing for what seems like forever. Um, you know, just started singing around the house with uh, my brothers and my sisters. And um, so when I was about eight years old, I sang my first duet with my sister in church, the first lead that I did. And then I just uh, continued to sing. And then, um, I think when I was about, started kind of late. So I think when I was about 20... About about 26, 27, uh, the karaoke craze hit. So I started doing uh, karaoke with a friend of mine here in the city. And one night I was in a club and I was doing a song. song, And after I finished, this guy and his girl, they came over to me. and uh, So they said to me, man, you know, we really enjoyed your singing. So I said, thank you. So the guy said, no, you don't understand. He said, we really, really enjoyed your singing. So I said, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. So his girl was standing right next to, me, to him, and she was nodding in approval. So he said to me, he said, no, you don't understand. What I'm saying to you is that we could make love to your singing all night long. So I looked at him, and I looked at her, and, and she was nodding in approval. So I was like, wow. that. So I thought about it. I said, that's some kind of compliment. So at that point, I said, you know, let me really see what I can start to do, because I always wanted to perform. So from then, uh, me and my little brother started writing, and I started getting out doing showcases, and I did a single, you know, did some local stuff, and then decided to, um, to do my CD. And, um, you know, we did the CD, we put it out, and I've been fortunate enough to do some traveling and uh, to do... Um, some of my music, you know, and uh, currently what I'm doing now, I'm doing a lot of um, senior circuits, uh, you know, some of the uh, some of the assisted living um, senior mm-hmm. places, which is where you saw me. Um, at yeah. the same time, I still still do weekends. I have a a, a restaurant which is called Restaurant Cabaret here in in Spotswood, New Jersey. So I have a steady gig there, and then I do weddings and all of that good stuff. Whatever comes up you know that's nice and positive and that pays. I do it.
1: Mhm. Right. Right. Well, you had those seniors dancing and uh, they really enjoyed it. So I love them.
5: You know, I love their spirit. Yeah. I love them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, and you're originally from Texas, aren't you?
5: Yes, I am. I'm originally born in Port Arthur, Texas. Born and Raised.
1: Yeah. So that was kind of funny when I was talking with you there in New York when you said you were from Texas. I was like, wow, what are the chances of that?
5: (laughs) How about that? Yeah, that was very nice. You know, you told me you were in Austin. I was like, oh, my ears perked up a little bit. Right. I still love Texas. I I still love Texas.
1: So, So you have one CD out. Is that it right now? um yes,
5: I have one yeah, I have one c d out I have a single out which is called um, could it be and um for the last few years, you know uh last few years, I've been thinking about putting something else out, you know, but it's a real difficult proposition, you know, especially if you want to to create you know create something something that's nice something that's gonna be timeless, you know, something that's going to appeal and really, really last. You know, and mm-hmm. um truthfully speaking and I don't mind saying that uh, that at some you know some point I had gotten a little discouraged. Um you know because I personally feel feel that at the level that I'm able to perform at, uh more things, you know, should have should have opened up for me should have presented themselves, but then at the same time, I understand how that happens. You know, I'm sure you have tons and tons and tons of people that can tell that same story. So, sure. So I got a little, fr- yeah. So I got a little frustrated for a while, you know, and then I kind of stepped back and I was just doing whatever came to me. So now I'm thinking about what's the next thing to do. So we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out mm-hmm. as I go. But in the meantime. You know, in the meantime, I love going to the uh, senior facilities, you know and being able to spend 60 minutes what 60 minutes uh, with them, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I was at another facility. I'm in Jersey, and the crowd was kind of slow coming in. so 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 maybe 45 minutes into my set, you know more people came in then when it was time for me to finish, so they were like, "No, can you do another song?" can you do another, no. <laughs> so I ended up doing another twenty minutes just because we was having a good time. But I love their spirit. I love the fact that they enjoy what you do, you know, and they show such an appreciation for what it yeah. is that you do, you know. So that makes me feel great. You know, I leave there floating.
1: I'm sure, I'm sure, because you're really doing, uh, you know, the impact that you have with your music is really tremendous in in those places. I know. You know, when my mom hears good music, it, you know, um, somebody coming and performing like yourself, it she's talking about it for days. So that's you know, awesome. It, 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 yeah, it really it makes a big difference. So you're doing a great thing. So so let's talk about the song that we just played of yours, um, just hanging on. Can you tell us a little bit about that song? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> that song is actually the first song that I did my own backgrounds on so so it was really special to me uh from that standpoint. but I wrote that song when I was going through a divorce., mm. and I was trying to figure out should I hold on or should I just let go? you know, hence the title just hanging on so um. So I wrote that song, and it really, really explained the feelings that I had at the time. Like I said, I was going through a divorce and trying to figure it out and, you know, still trying to to keep the marriage together, but I had all these questions, and I had all these signs that were hitting me and staring me in the face and tapping me on the shoulder. So hence the title, you know, just hanging on, trying to figure out, should right. I stay or should I go?
1: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're going to play another one of your songs that you sent. I think it's Are You Ready?
5: Um, Oh, yeah, that's the title track for the CD, Are You Ready? Um, And Are You Ready just speaks to, so that's the question, Are You Ready? But it's asking, are you ready, you know, for the next real real love in your life? Are you ready for the next chapter? Are you ready to take the next step? You know, to make your life better for yourself, and then if love is included in that, it's a wonderful thing. Mhm.
1: Mhm. All right. So hang on the line. We're gonna play that song, and we'll talk. We'll come back and talk for a couple minutes more. All right.
5: Fantastic. Thank you.
1: All right. Mhm. <laughs> if people are interested in in downloading or purchasing your music or finding out where you're performing or hiring you mm-hmm. to, for a gig, um, how can they do that? How can they do any of those things?
5: If they want to um um download uh download it, they can go to iTunes or uh, most of the uh, the uh, digital uh the digital um spots and uh downloaded uh that way spotify all that stuff works if they want to mm-hmm. to uh contact me they can uh contact me at original.proctor, dot proctor uh the number one at gmail dot com or they can also reach out to me via telephone at uh nine one seven
3: uh, um
5: you know, but I'm available for all sorts of nice, positive gigs. Uh, Like I said, my music, uh, you know, my music, uh, they can uh, download it or if they want the hard copy, they can just, um, um, send me an email and we'll set that up.
1: All right. Okay. So I'm going to post all of that on my, uh, Website this evening. Okay, and um, if a tornado doesn't carry this house away,
3: <laughs>
5: <So>.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, Reggie. Um,
5: well, thank gonna, you so much. Gonna... I've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to have you back on sometime in the future.
5: That sounds good, and then we could talk about uh, we could talk about the the. Uh, motivational speaking, which is something else I do as well as uh, as my life coaching, you know, because I know we kind of a parallel with some of those ideas, and okay.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. But All thank right. you so much
5: for having me, and, um, you know, please, please, to the listeners, uh, you know, listen to Teddy Houston. Contact me if you need me. I'm available, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Maurer.
1: All right, thank you, and you have a good evening.
5: Thank you, you do as well, and I hope the storm passes yes. over.
1: Yes, yes.
5: <laughs> okay. Hope so,
1: too. All right.
5: All right. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right, I'm going to let everybody know what's coming up next week before we get carried away here. Next Sunday, June 16th, we'll be back with another show, and we'll be
2: Guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show.
4: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?